BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach. From funding to finance, set up the staffing. Our CEO coaches break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup, management, and development. The founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Welcome to CEO Coach with me, Jillian Music, co-founder of Moz, and Ann Kennedy, my partner at Outlines Venture Group and author of Global Search Engine Marketing. Together, we're serial entrepreneurs. We help companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. Find out more at outlinesventure.com. Today, we're bringing together two of the really best CEO coaches of 2015. What do you think, Ann? Which ones were the really hot ones? Well, we had a lot of popular ones this year, judging from the more than 10,000 downloads we got from them. But here are two that seem to fit together well. One was what we learned from a TED Talk from Daniel Pink on motivators and why external motivators for employee motivation don't really work in tech companies. And so that's the one we're going to start with. And then after the break, we have one on corporate transparency and communications, which seems to us has a lot to do with motivation. Both of those absolutely do hit it on the mark. As I recall, we described that external motivators by Daniel Pink's TED Talk as the mother's milk of 20th century corporate payments and reward structure, because it's not all about money. That one's great. Let's start there. You know, I've been watching some TED Talks lately because I've had some time on my hands, which is absolutely delightful. So, you know, you go down that uh, rabbit hole of TED Talks. I found an old one by Dan Pink on the subject of human motivation as it pertains to business. And I think it's still timely from 2009 to today. And I can't recommend it highly enough. So um, I'd love to shoot the breeze about that today. Okay. Um, I love Dan Pink. I'm a great fan of his book, A Whole New Mind. Um, He's sold uh, something like $2 million worth of business books in 34 countries. I'd say he's worth talking about. 
Absolutely. (laughs) If you don't have the full background, so that you will have the full background of our discussion, um, all you out there who are listening to this podcast, uh, watch. You can watch the TED Talk. You'll find a link on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash CEO Coach Podcast. And by the way, let us know you stopped by by hitting the like button or ask us questions. So tell us um, who you'd like to have visit on the show. And we'll try to get your questions answered and your most wanted business gurus onto this program. So, Jillian, can you set the stage? Yes, absolutely. So the gist of Dan Pink's point in his TED Talk is that external motivators, the mother's milk of 20th century corporate payments and reward structures, do not work if you're building a tech company and often harm creativity. So that's right, folks. You know, sticks and carrots don't work, no matter what the stick or the carrot might be. So to build the teams we do need, Dan tells us we're going to have to focus on acknowledging and honoring what's known as intrinsic motivators. What's an intrinsic motivator in plain English? (laughs) So it means that beyond the MVP, which I call the minimum viable paycheck, Salary increases don't affect motivate are not effective motivators for almost all workers. There's always an exception, but in almost all cases, in fact, the only worker positively affected by the promise of increases in salary is the menial laborer. As soon as you have even minimal cognitive skills that are required to accomplish a job, the carrot of the increased cash actually decreases the creative thinking capacity and the effectiveness of that employee. So Dan's provided specific examples in his speech of the tests that he's run and others have run that show that the larger the amount of cash promised, the smaller the performance of the project, excuse me, the slower the performance of the project requiring the rational thinking and this out-of-the-box thinking. In other words, people offered the least amount of money accomplished innovative thinking tasks faster than people offered a moderate financial incentive. And those who offered the, were offered the highest financial incentives were most hobbled by it and performed at the lowest levels in all three categories. Now, obviously, that's not every mindset and not every human on the planet, but it was significant and strong, and it should be a real huge eye-opener. So if you're still running your company based on carrot-and-stick motivators, it should actually be terrifying, <laughs> enough to listen up and change things. Wow. I'm I'm just blown away by that. That's so um, upside down to me. It's just not intuitive. And so let's start with the external motivators. Okay. So the reason that menial laborers respond to external motivators, such as the carrot of either getting more cash and raise if they do the job well, that is, you know, has no creativity required, so on, simply, uh, you know, more and faster repetition and, and so on, that sort of thing, right? The reason that they are motivated by it is that motivators focus us, external motivators focus us, and they're supposed to do that. So you put in that screw faster, you complete the IRS form faster, uh, you do things with, you know, less errors and so on. You enter the data and whatever, right? The stick in this instance is that the more you are paid for, excuse me, the more you pay for a supremely menial task, now this is you, the owner of a business, right? The more desirable that work or job becomes to the community of people without creative abilities who are looking for jobs. If cash is the only motivator in a menial and repetitive job, 
then if you're paying a pretty good salary for that job and there's absolutely no barrier to entry, right, the current worker knows that he or she will be replaced with a more proficient worker in just a couple of minutes if they don't perform at the top of their game. And therefore, they will attempt to keep that cash flowing by not providing cause for somebody else to take the job away from them. The carriage is more money. The stick is, do you want to keep your job? Scary stuff. But that's not our employee pool. The teams we need to build as tech entrepreneurs consist of exactly no one who fits that mold. So what does motivate the people that we want on our teams? Yeah, exactly. Right. So according to Dan, that creative thinkers, right, which is beyond the minimum viable paycheck again, are motivated by intrinsic rather than external motivators. And I would strongly agree. (laughs) External motivators, again, those carrots and sticks, internal motivators come from within and are surprisingly similar across the planet. Now, in his TED Talk, Dan backs up his statements with, again, specific test data from the U.S. to India and across a wide range of socioeconomic groups to prove his point. He puts it this way. He says, this is not a feeling. It's not a philosophy. It's not even an hypothesis, right? It is. It has been proven time and again across multiple socioeconomic groups around the world that creative and innovative thinking is hampered or reduced by the application of external motivators. So... What do we do with that stuff? Yeah, what are we supposed to do? Pay minimum wage and give them office perks like the Googleplex? Well, no, and yes, in that order. <laughs> it's <laughs> not just about good food in the cafeteria and the nap rooms, although that helps, right? And it's not about paying the minimum wage. Again, it's the minimum viable paycheck, so one must pay them sufficiently, all right? But it's also about this broader issue of acknowledging what does motivate people and honoring that motivation rather than attempting to simply manipulate workers. Right? The thing about intrinsic motivators is they're very close to our soul. They're very personal. Right? A paycheck isn't personal. If you reveal what motivates you or if the company you choose to work for intuits what motivates you to play at the top of your game, then you've got a personal relationship going there. This is no longer just business. You know, I'm thinking I can really relate to that as I'm sure you can because I remember uh, – in the agency at Beyond Inc., the best workers, the, the ones that I, I, I really leaned on, I knew that I've, if I gave them the freedom, for instance, to work from home, because a lot of them had children, um, they perf- outperformed every other worker I ever had. And I think that this is a, that was just one intrinsic motivator that uh, applied there. I'm sure you saw quite a bit of that at Moz as well. Absolutely. What we also find at Moz is that if you are if you are focusing on a particular product or project and so on, without providing the freedom for somebody to simply, uh, you know, kind of space out, um, then it, it really isn't about you know the paycheck is this and that and so on. You must do this in order to get a pay raise and so on. It was really about you must focus on this thing. If you did that, it actually hampered the creative process. It was when people sat around and noodled through problems that they actually came up with the real solutions. I think perhaps some of the folks listening in will remember the bit with the um, post-it notes. There was one Absolutely. of our engineers sitting around 
playing with post-it notes on a window because he was noodling through a problem. If you don't have the kind of culture that enables somebody to sit around and noodle through problems by playing with post-it notes so that they end up with, you know, Mario Brothers on the window, then you probably don't have the kind of uh, environment in which somebody can simply zone out for a while and the solutions um, show themselves. So when we come back, we're going to talk about some of this stuff, um, about how Google does it and about how other companies do it and actually what comes out of that kind of freedom of movement of the most creative minds. Jillian, how about some practical, tactical insights and tips for the entrepreneurs who need to think about how to build and sustain these best-in-class teams? Absolutely. Let's get real. All right, so I'd say... This idea of free time, the free time to work on anything you want, all right, or private project time. Um, Dan referenced an Australian company and, of course, Google, both of whom encourage their employees to spend not just a day or so, but 20% of their work time focused on anything they want. The Australian company in particular, he says, started with saying they took a day and said, hey, everybody, just work on a project you think is important here. And tons of fixes to, I don't know, endemic, consistent problems and who knows, software and other things that company had were solved. And so they bumped it up. Right now, they spend 20% of their time as well. Google is well known to do that. And about half of Google's products have been born out of that time, including such little stuff as, you know, email. And uh, Dan's got a much larger list. So I'd say start there. Stop governing what you people do on the clock. 80% of the time they can move forward that list of to-dos that you've got to move forward. That's important stuff. But set aside a good 20% for people to, if you will, daydream about problems. Right? Just give them the freedom to do that. They're going to invent new stuff you hadn't thought of. If you don't set a clock and you don't say it's you know 4 p.m. and we're all going to work on our 20%, right? it's going to work. If you try to organize it and say, okay, it's 4 o'clock and we're all going to work on our 20% time, that's not going to work. You will simply interrupt the thought process. They're going to do it when they're going to do it and stop being worried about the schedule, which brings me to tip number two, scheduled work hours. I'd say don't have them. Now, we tried that completely at Moz years ago and found that core hours actually worked better for us. Uh, Dan, I think, is still advocating completely, you know, free hours and working from wherever, whenever, and so on and so forth, and that meetings are optional. Within reason, I'd say yes, but I do think there is still, um, God, that 1990s word synergy. I don't know. There's a spark that happens when you're face-to-face that doesn't happen at other times. Uh, The ability for everybody to pop up and use the whiteboard and so on. Yes, you can do it remotely. I do think that it's much more powerful when you're in the same room. So core hours worked really well for us. But uh, communication options, you know, abound now and they teams do work remotely all the time. So you let your creatives figure it out. Uh, Getting work done, uh, you know, not getting work in the office. uh, Those are the kinds of things that your managers are going to have to focus on, right? Just getting work done, not whether you got into the office on time. Meeting goals, not filling time in the seat. Being, you know, innovative, if you will. Those innovations, it's fixes to existing problems and solutions to problems you didn't know were bugging your customers yet. Not writing up more tickets to report that the problem exists. And then finally, there'll be inventions. You know, devising brilliant products for already captured audiences and perhaps for widening your audience, right? Which means your customers, of course, right? So it's not about planning to plan for planning sessions of planning future something. Get rid of that stuff. And managers are not necessarily going to be comfortable about that, right? They're going to have to focus on important issues instead of playing with sand grains and counting them. 
depending on the size and the nature of your company, some of your managers might have to go. But I'll tell you, it beats the hell out of watching your most capable people, your most powerful, inventive, and innovative players walk out the door to greener pastures. So the question is really, did they leave you for a dime more in salary? I'd say not a chance. They left you for a work environment that honors who they are and what's important to them. And what seems like it's important, not what it really is important to your company. So Dan's examples of what gets created when you let people do work, uh, when, where, and how they want to, um, included this example of Encarta versus Wikipedia. He talked about uh, how Microsoft had spent a fortune hiring, you know, capable writers and investigators, historians, and on and on and on to create Encarta. And Wikipedia said, hey, folks, here's a platform. Know something? Pop it in. It's like, how could you possibly write an encyclopedia by everybody who's fit? And certainly Wikipedia had an awful lot of, you know, naysayers, you know, and, and people say, oh, it's, it's bunk and junk. But there's an awful lot of good material there, too. And over time, Wikipedia managed to get it better and better until there's fairly reliable information there. And when it's a little iffy, there are kind of, you know, these things at the top that say, hey, come on, hop in here and make this better. This isn't so hot. Right? So there's this balance around it. Right? But in Carta had everything you'd think from the 20th century management principles would make an extraordinary product. And it could not. So final thing I'd say is ask and mean it. As an administrator, I'd be querying my people directly about how they think about a company, you know, and uh, how it can become a better place to work, uh, what they should be inventing or innovating, uh, how they can make a difference to the people on the planet and in their communities and so on. Ask your own people what would make your own company better. Trust me, they won't be telling you to put enchiladas in the lunch menu, right? It's, it's going to be deeper than that. And therein lies an entire new episode over at CEO Coach Ann. I'd say we could talk about how to establish and maintain a corporate culture that will attract those people and, of course, keep those most brilliant minds. I'm all for it. it uh, you've made an excellent case for taking new methods of how to uh, herd the cats, you know, what really matters. And we want to thank uh, Dan Pink for bringing this up in a TED Talk. It's worth watching. The links will be up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash CEO Coach Podcast. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. 
Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I signed us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, so social the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your facebook contest and sweepstakes create a fun easy to win contest by writing a simple facebook post watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction track your traffic and generate email lists with ease so social is mobile friendly and complies with facebook terms of service let so social give your facebook page some flash today zoom over to zosocial.com Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents the 14th Annual Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to iacaward.org. Deadline for entries is February 15th, 2016. All winners will have their entry highlighted on the Internet Advertising Competition website, as well as receive a handsome trophy to display or a personalized certificate of achievement. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry into the Web Marketing Association's 14th Annual Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your entry today at iacaward.org. That's iacaward.org. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And welcome back to CEO Coach. Today, we're revisiting the best of CEO Coach of 2015. We just heard Daniel Pink's advice on rethinking employee motivation for tech companies. So now, let's listen to some of the corporate transparency issues we discussed in 2015. It's how, when, and to whom you communicate. It's got a lot to do with employee motivation. Listen in. So, Jillian, today we want to talk about what information to share about your company, with whom and when. In other words, corporate transparency for startups. Oh, yes. So, what do you know and what do you tell them? Well, the less you know, the less you have to tell anybody. That sounds like a pretty good plan, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, maybe not. <laughs> not head, so much, huh? head in the sand, right? Let's keep. Yeah, those sounds good. <laughs> yeah, no. right. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, you'd be shocked how many companies I know actually operate that way. If we don't know it, we don't have to share it. Don't look at that. That's just insanity. And we talk about a lot about data and about its value and that which is measured can be improved. Thank you, Lord Kelvin. But we seriously need to to think about the volume of information that you do have. What's the difference between data and what would be really useful information to whoever's about to receive it? And then figure out how you segment your audiences so that you're not kind of leaning over backwards the other way that says, oh, we are fully transparent. And that means you tell everybody everything all the time. 
that would be like having a brain that couldn't sift through data to remember what was important and what wasn't. There are actually people on this planet who have that physical problem. They forget nothing. It is as important to them that they noticed that the fan was oscillating on that warm summer day on, you know, 1976 and the 7th of July as the fact that, I don't know, their sibling got married last week. It's the same relative value inside their brains. So having that kind of a memory is not always quite useful, right? So let's not deal with our data in that way. We have to first compartmentalize it. And secondarily, we have to prioritize it. Let's take a look. So let's talk about what you know about your company and what you need to know about your company. So the first thing, of course, is everybody says, I want to know everything about my company. And the answer is, yeah, not really, right? You don't really need to know how many minutes it took to create a chart for your customer service team to improve their response times to their customers. It might have taken 40 hours of labor because the guy who created it was doing it for the first time. But what you do need to know is that the customer service has a leader in the making on that team because he took it upon himself or herself to go and build that thing. What you need to look for is somehow the deeper information. Just because it was the first time they ever created such a, a chart or a system or something doesn't mean they won't get better at it in the future. The fact that they took initiative is something that should be on your radar as a leader in your company. Get the difference? Oh, so, yeah. All right. So oh, what yeah. do you need to know that is the customer service you know, leader, right? You've got one in the making, but then what are you going to do with them? All right. So now, what you do need to keep your eye on is actually very few metrics that tell you whether you're succeeding or failing. All right. So, and you know, metrics around that sort of thing, we look at that in search marketing all the time, right? We we look at those things as a matter of the web-based statistics and stuff, like you know, how many mentions your brand is getting out there in the industry and in the groups that matter to you. Not just in general, but the groups that matter to you, right? Those would be your potential clients, right? So the engagement is there for your, you know, how much engagement is there in your content? If you post a blog, do you get comments? Do others' posts address the issue that you brought up after you sparked the conversation? Have you become the center of conversation around your subject, around the planet, really? You know, you want to look at simple stuff like the number of visitors, but you also want to look at time on site and social engagement and sentiment value. Those are the kinds of simple things that will tell you whether your company is in trouble or whether it's expanding happily in the marketplace, right? Makes sense, yeah? Oh, yeah. And also, I'd like to add that counting this over a time frame, like uh, month over month, week over week, will tell you a lot more than just an aggregated from the start number. Absolutely. So if you're getting into the weeds a bit on things like, you know, the marketing issues, you do want to certainly look at, you know, week over week, uh, we posted this and it did better than some other subject that we talked about and so on and so forth. That's kind of getting in the weeds. But you as a CEO, even if you are doing the marketing as well, you don't want to look at it from a weeds point of view. You want to stand on the top and say, and in aggregate over the year, how are we doing? Rather than, you know, this week and last week and the week before. You, You want to keep a vague eye on the weeks, but... Get bigger. Stay out of the weeds. I get it. Yeah, totally. Stay out of the weeds as often as you can. And if you have to wear both hats, uh, put on your different hat as you look at different things. So inside an organization, for example, you want to know how the staff is doing. 
All right, those are things that you don't necessarily look at if you're doing the marketing end of it. You want to know how the staff is doing. You can leverage simple surveys and, you know, simplesurvey.com, literally. It's a very easy way to get things done right. You can get a bead on your how your staff's feeling about working in your company, maybe what they need, what they want next. Maybe it's around ideas about what, what should happen in your platform next or whatever the heck it is, right? Have some real-life interactions in small groups and do it one-on-one as well. Gather data right, and measure it against the previous months and years. You want the quality of work, you know, the work environment to be really, really good, and that's an important metric as to whether or not your company is succeeding or failing, and you want a handle on that, right? And perhaps you want to share that even with your investors as well as with your people, even if that number is going down. And if it's going down, what you want to do is acknowledge it to your employees, your staff, right, your team members, and say, we're not as happy as we used to be. Let's fix it and let them come up with ideas that will fix it. They will tell you why there is unhappiness and what can happen to make it better. Right? Important stuff. So these life interactions, the one-on-ones, they get aggregated and then you can move on. Now, if someone's still asking you to, if you can eke out a laptop from a budget in year five and 10, you're not making progress. So you better be looking at your financials as well. Right. So let's take a look at some of the thornier questions before we break with this segment here. The questions about what you would share with others and start by segmenting that into the groups. Right. As you take a look at data and information, the first thing you want to say is, who will I share it with? And then the importance of that data to that person will be looked at. So if I were running a company and looking at who I want to share data with, the first one on my list would be the team. The team is everybody in my company, employees, as well as my peers in terms of leadership. Okay, So the team. The second one is investors. The third one is things like bankers or lenders. Right? That's different than your investors. Customers and vendors. So if you're breaking sweat over the idea of sharing your financials with any of those, things are probably not going so well. And yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> time when it's most important to be really good. Yeah. So, and that's the time when it's really important to be good at sharing info and being straight about it, specifically with the team, right? If things are tough, it's a really good idea to share that with your early stage startup team. First of all, they joined up knowing that it was going to be a tough go. They wanted to be part of a startup, right? Nobody has any illusions about that anymore. It's common knowledge. So there's actually this adrenaline rush that comes from working hard to overcome hard times. What they're going to want to see that there is that there are improvements. So you better be good at your decision-making, too, at your job. They're looking to you to do that, right? But they're okay that it's tough today. So don't be afraid of that. Right? If you share the state of things clearly on a weekly or monthly report, the number of new customers, the visitors, other growth factors that affect your business and so on, it all makes sense to your team and they can see that their efforts are making a difference. So by showing improvements or declines over time, you can help get your team focused on what's important to them and on how they're doing. Right? If they don't have a benchmark to hit against, how can they reach it either? Right? There's nothing like a timeline to get the creative juices going to make things better. Your team will do it for you. Now, there's this collective feel-good, of course, in seeing things improve as a result of their effort. That's worth a million bucks or more, right? The collective celebration is what drives the foundations of good corporate culture. So get transparent when it becomes tough. 
we need to take a break and then we'll come back and talk more about corporate transparency for startups. But let me leave you with one thought that I'm taking away from what you're saying, Jillian, and that is that lying to your early stage startup team is suicide. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, we'll be right back at CEO Coach with Jillian Music. This is Ann Kennedy. So we've talked about customers, we've talked about investors, we've talked about, of course, the team. What about vendors, Jillian? Well, it's a little bit tougher. In general, the vendors only really want to know if you can pay them, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. right, right. (laughs) Your hosting company doesn't particularly care about what your customer base is and so on as long as you pay the monthly bill. But getting a little chummy with your hosting company before you need the big bump in service could really smooth the way, right? Or it can alert you to the fact that, you know, you're going to need a more robust service than the company you're currently working with. Either way, you're going to win. So I would say that sharing future projected plans with the appropriate vendors make some kind of sense. There's relatively little that you have to do here, but again, share about growth uh, projections with whatever appropriate vendors there are. Do it early, do it regularly, incorporate charts and projections into your conversation with them. You can all be prepared for what happens next. That's about it, I'd say. Well, as a customer, you know, you spent a lot of time in the last segment talking about how important it is to make your customers feel like, you know, they they are a community. If I'm a customer of a vendor, I want to be the one when I call or email that the uh, CEO of my vendor picks up the phone and calls me right back. I want to be that customer. Yes, within reason you do. And understanding, of course, again, if you have a major hosting company, you know, you just want your contact to do it. But I get the idea and the sentiment is right. You want to feel the same way about your vendors as your customers feel about you because you are their vendor. So that makes all kinds of sense. But I think we have a really good trajectory around this. And again, if you didn't write it all down before, you can either go back and listen or here it is. These are the folks you're going to share with your team, your investors, There are bankers and lenders, customers and vendors. And we didn't really talk about bankers and lenders. So that would be interesting. Let's talk about bankers. Mm -hmm. And I would say, again, that's a fairly short deal, right? They don't much care for the metrics beyond the numbers. And I would stick to their center of focus. Giving people information they don't want is kind of frustrating, right? They will say, you know, don't try to teach the pig to sing. It frustrates the pig and it can't do it. You know, just don't do it. Stick to the center of focus. Make sure that you have obviously clean books and, and they're all, you know, up to date and that sort of thing. But make sure that you have them available at all times. The banker might want to know something maybe about your executive summary type stuff, you know, a little bit about a competitive advantage or this or that. Not really. They are not venture capitalists. Know the difference. Okay, that's the big counsel. Stay focused. Indeed. And keep the numbers that they want to see as far as possible positive because that's, that's what bankers <laughs> want to see, is positive of numbers. <laughs> of course. I wouldn't BS it, but yes, there'll be times when you do need cash and so on. You're going to want to uh, put out clear projections about why this is a temporary dip, and it isn't something like they're going to just be bailing you out of a bottomless pit. But that makes exactly. all logical sense. I think everybody understands it. All I'm counseling you is not to share more than what they want to look at, and really, they want to look at the numbers. If you need a loan now, then why is this a bridge loan, and why will you be able to pay us back later? So that's quite different than venture capital discussions, which is around potential and future promise. So how about some top tips here? 
as we close out this episode of CEO Coach, because we've only got a couple of minutes left. Number one top tip, Jillian. That was a drum roll. Okay, get a handle on your numbers across all areas of your business. It's easier to share when you actually know what's going on, right? So you take the time to design those charts, keep them up, share them everywhere, get other people to use them too. Now's a really good time, whatever time of life it is for you. And if you're just thinking about starting a company, yeah, think about what you're going to want to track and get those charts in order. And secondly, what do we focus on? The other party. The second thing is once, once you have really good stuff to report and you've got it kind of compartmentalized across the nature of your company, right, then the question is, who are you talking to? When in Rome, speak like the Romans. Just give them the info they need and figure out what info they need. Your team needs everything so they can talk to each other. It is a single team, and then it is compartmentalized. And if you want to keep it that way, they need everything. But others, not so much. So again, keep it finance. Vendors, keep it future thinking and so on. And the last tip? Don't scare the pants off your recipients, but be clear when things are either up or down, right? When things are up, it's always, that's nice. It's good news. But temper that with the challenges ahead now that things are growing. There are always challenges, right? If you're a team of three people and suddenly, boom, you've got your first three, four, 10, oh my God, 20 big clients, right? We're about to grow, folks. Life is about to change. Be honest about it. We're going to get offices. We're going to hire 15 people. Who knows what you're going to do? Life is about to change. If things are tough, then it's the same thing. Yeah, we've had some serious challenges this quarter. And, you know, customers are down or customers are only growing at 1.5% when we used to grow at 10%. What happened? You know, the launch didn't go. The this didn't that. Whatever your trouble is, be straightforward about it and be straightforward about it with those who are in a position to help you. And that includes your investors, your advisors, your team, and sometimes your colleagues and your customers. Extraordinary people can help you out of a jam. Just be straight about it. And that's it for this Monday morning at CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our producers at webmasterradio.fm for their support. You can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Podcast. Stop by, hit the like button so you know you're out there. Tell us what you'd like to hear in 2016 on CEO Coach. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.